Hi, I'm Kelly Cervantes, and this is Seizing Life, a bi-weekly podcast produced by Cure Epilepsy. Recently, Cure Epilepsy announced a strategic partnership with Epilepsy Canada. In honor of this partnership and in celebration of Epilepsy Awareness Month in Canada, we speak with Brittany and Alex Stewart in Meaford, Ontario, Canada. Alec was diagnosed with epilepsy at 16 years old. He suffered from one or two tonic-clonic seizures per year until his mid-20s when an accident dramatically affected his seizure activity. Alec and his wife, Brittany, are here to tell their story with epilepsy and how they have come to partner with Epilepsy Canada to raise funds for awareness and research. Brittany, Alec, thank you so much for joining us today. Truly appreciate you sharing your joint story with us. Uh, Alec, tell us about your first seizure and your journey to a diagnosis. Uh, So my first seizure happened when I was uh, 16 years old. Um, I had a few friends sleeping over. I woke up the next morning uh, with very little sleep and I was laying in bed and I all of a sudden just kind of lost control of my left arm. And it was a very weird sensation, I guess. Um, I didn't know what was going on. Uh, and then all of a sudden my left arm just started to lift in the air. And the next thing I remember is uh, my brother waking me up and taking me to the hospital. Um, And then after several appointments with uh, neurologists and my general practitioner, uh, it was then determined uh, I was diagnosed with epilepsy. So were you able to uh, gain control early on with medications? How was the the time shortly after? Yeah, it was actually, um, as far as my case goes, it was, I guess, as good as you could ever ask for. The first medication I was prescribed was uh, Epivale. Uh, and I was on that for about three or four years um, and only suffering one to maybe three tonic-clonic seizures per year. Uh, and, and in my case, I thought it was great. So I just kind of went from there. And um, as I moved along, it's about a four-year period uh, of being on Epidel and just suffering those one to three seizures per year, um, I all of a sudden had this influx of it was about 10 or 15 seizures over the course of two weeks Um, and it kind of came out of the blue and we didn't really know what to do so uh, it was just another appointment with the epileptologist at that point and they prescribed me on uh, lamotrigine where it was again under control for a couple other years so and how did your diagnosis your seizures affect you socially emotionally because those are pretty formative and pivotal years you know you're you're 16 years old getting a diagnosis young adult you know finding your way in the world meanwhile you're navigating a chronic illness sure uh yeah so physically it was that was the easy part was the the bumps and bruises but the emotional and the social uh anxiety and um, just emotion that i would get from um, not only the seizure itself, um, not after postictal state, it was, it was just knowing that I could have a seizure. Um, and at that point, going through adolescence in high school, and if you're going to hang with friends or, or, or go to parties, you, or at least I did, I always had that in the back of my mind where I, I might have a seizure in front of them. And 
Uh, none of my friends at that point um, that I was aware of had ever suffered a seizure. So the last thing I wanted to do was to suffer one in front of them um, and then have them deal with that. Because, I mean, as, as many people know, a tonic-clonic seizure is, it can be pretty scary to witness, especially for the first time. Um, so it was, a, it was a pretty dark period of my life for the first few years. And again, going through adolescence, that's one of the last things you want to think about is, is dealing with some type of invisible illness. So, now, Did you talk to your friends at all about your diagnosis? What did you know about epilepsy? Were you in a position that you could educate them? Uh, no, <laughs> I, wish, I wish I could have. I was more focused on, on just being a kid. Um, so epilepsy was, even though it was like obviously very intertwined with my life, uh, at that point, it was, I was just focused on being a teenager and, and having fun and high school and college. And that was, that was really it. Um, and because of my, my lack of knowledge, um, or maybe it could have just been out of, I don't want to say embarrassment, but I'm assuming lack of knowledge is the only thing that I can think of at this point, um, is the reason I really only kept it to close family and friends. So, uh, very few people, including, uh, my wife, that. We went to high school together. She wasn't even aware of the uh, of the situation. So, Brittany, when did you learn about Alex epilepsy? And you guys went to high school together. You actually knew each other long before yeah. not. So, I actually didn't find out that um, he even suffered with epilepsy until I was on my way home from the airport. My sister and I went on a trip to uh, Europe together, and her boyfriend at the time was. Uh, somehow found out that Alec had suffered these string of seizures in about a week. And I hadn't really talked to him that much other than a little like, hey, how's it going? And so I touched base with him actually when I got home and just learned a little bit more about him and just wanted to see how he was doing. And that's actually kind of, we started kind of hanging out and that's where everything kind of started from there. So your epilepsy brought you together. Exactly, exactly. Way, That's yeah. the silver lining. Yeah. The best silver lining ever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when, uh, where were you when, Brittany, when you witnessed his first tonic-clonic seizure? Because you're right, they are incredibly difficult to watch. They can be violent and horribly scary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we have been dating for about a year already um, before I actually witnessed my first one. I'd seen some of like the myoclonic jerks, um, but I'd never actually witnessed a grand model until about a year. So we had gone to Niagara Falls and we went to go see a hip concert and we were up late that night, got up early. He was having a rough day. We were wandering down to Clifton Hill to go for breakfast at one of those diners and we sat down, ordered, and that's when we started to go into his first seizure that I saw. And what and, was going through uh, your mind at that point? Um, I was pretty terrified, I'm not gonna lie. Um, I kind of just, you kind of jump into that role of what can I do, right? And we've mm -hmm. talked about before in the past, like what I should do in those situations. And I just remember getting up and helping him from the chair onto the ground and just kind of, helping his head so his head wasn't hitting the floor. And, um, and then he came to and 
Yeah, I remember the waiter coming up to me after he had come to and asking if we was still on our order. I kind of laughed like, really? <laughs> no, <laughs> we're going to go home now. <laughs> we're not staying for breakfast. Mm. But it was, it was scary. Um, and they're still scary, I'm not going to lie. Like every time I see one, it's still terrifying to me. But I mean, I think that's just our life with yeah. it right yeah. now. I don't think they ever get easier to witness. No, they really don't. Hi, this is Brandon from Cure Epilepsy. Did you know that one in 26 Americans will develop epilepsy in their lifetime? For more than 20 years, Cure Epilepsy has funded cutting-edge, patient-focused research. Learn more about our mission to end epilepsy at cureepilepsy.org. Now back to Seizing Life. You had your seizures relatively under control, two or three of the tonic-clonics a year, and then there was an accident in your mid-20s. Tell us about yeah. that and how it impacted your seizures. Yeah, so it was, uh, as you mentioned, yeah, it was my seizures were very much so in my case under control, um, having a majority, I mean, most three tonic-clonic seizures a year was, was great. Which, by the um, way, sorry to interrupt you, but like... I say that and you, and you repeated it, but two to three seizures is not under control. Like two or three chronic, <laughs> chronic seizures should not be considered under control by any stretch of the imagination. Um, you know, I, ideally we want complete and total seizure freedom, but I digress. I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, but you're absolutely right. I mean, obviously two or three seizures a year or two to three seizures too many. Um, and, and I totally understand that every patient's situation is different. Someone might look at having 15 or 20 uh, tonic-clonic seizures a year being under control. And if that's under control for them, that, that's fantastic. Um, as far as the workplace accident, I was, uh, I have a very vague memory of what actually happened, um, but I was uh, in my office. I had just been promoted uh, within my company. So I moved uh, my position. My office was now in Toronto, which was kind of, it was, kind of a catch 22. I was, I was really happy where I was building my career. Um, but at the same time, I knew one of my major triggers was sleep deprivation. And this job, unfortunately, uh, required me to wake up at four or four thirty every morning and I wouldn't get home until about nine 30 at night. So that, uh, over the span of a few months really took a toll on me and I was suffering kind of an influx of, of, uh, myoclonic jerks. And then all of a sudden I had a tonic-clonic seizure uh, at work and I was in the, uh, I was in the bathroom uh, and I guess I was, I don't know if I was washing my hands and I unfortunately kind of collapsed and hit my head off the side of the sink. And uh, that is really kind of all I remember uh, until I was, I remember sitting at a table um, and kind of explaining to one of my colleagues that I had a seizure uh, and then it just kind of, Again, my memory is, is so vague, but it, it's from there to being in an ambulance and then heading off to uh, Toronto Western Hospital, which was the, the hospital I see my neurologist at now. It was, and, it was pretty scary, so. Yeah, I, I can imagine. Was your work understanding? Did, have you had to deal with stigma at work? Yeah, you know, I think it's one of those things where you pretty much have to deal with with stigma surrounding epilepsy almost anywhere. Um, it's just one of those conditions where I wish more people
people were educated behind it because it is significantly more common than people are led to believe. Um, so there was stigma um, and a lot of people, there were questions afterwards about uh, the whole wooden spoon in the mouth. It's just like, well, that's, that's the exact opposite of what you should do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it was simple things like that. Um, my direct supervisor was, uh, fortunately, he had seen and, and witnessed a few uh, seizures uh, in the past. So he was very understanding of it, which was, uh, it made the, the situation a little bit easier. After that accident, your seizure activity increased. How did that affect your daily life? It really changed everything on a, on a day-to-day level. Um, they are they're still under the same situation as, as, that, as that day about six years ago, where they're not under control right now. Um, I'm suffering about anywhere between three and five tonic-clonics a month. Um, uh, and now, uh, which I'd never suffered previously, were um, now several petite models um, and uh, about anywhere between, I don't know what you would say, maybe 10 to 30 or 40 myoclonic trips a day. So it, it can be pretty debilitating. Um, but the, the day-to-day life were the things that I almost feel like I took for granted um, and the things that I almost lose uh, comfort in doing. Um, we live within a walking distance to Georgian Bay, uh, to, to the Great Lakes. Um, but I, I don't feel comfortable being in the water. Uh, and I think rightfully so. Um, I don't feel comfortable having a shower uh, at home uh, unless Brit is within uh, an earshot. And it's just things like that that we like to try to take as many precautions as we can just to make it as, as safe as possible for not only me, but for, for Brit, for our family. Which leads me to my next uh, part of the interview is that, you know, congratulations on your baby. She is 16 months old now. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah. Very exciting. Thank you. Um, yeah. I have to imagine, given the increase in your seizures after that accident, that there was a lot of um, consideration and discussions between the two of you and your doctors before, before starting your family? Um, we actually, years ago, probably like eight years ago, we went into just um, genetic counseling to see what the odds would be for if we were to have kids, what uh, their chances would be to have epilepsy just without already being diagnosed with it. And it was only like an additional one or 2% more than the general population, which is still significant, but low enough that we felt comfortable to want to have a family. But with Alec, with uh, being uncontrolled, we kind of put it off for a little while, to be honest, and just tried to get him healthy and feeling better. But it got to the point where, in the end, the family is what we wanted, and we decided to go ahead with it. Yeah. Yeah, it was the best thing we ever did. Yeah, it was was, a... Uh, previous to, to us actually having our, our daughter, um, my brother and sister-in-law had their first. And that was when my seizures initially uh, were kind of not under control at all. Um, and it was a pretty emotional time for me because with uh, my niece, I didn't feel comfortable holding her. Um, just in fear that something might happen. And uh, it, it kind of... It, kind of broke my heart almost every day uh, because it was something that I missed out on a, on a big part of, of her life. Um, and it, it really did make me question if I could be 
a father uh, and, and be a, a supporting father and be around and be as hands-on as I want to be. Um, so there were a lot of sleepless nights and a lot of conversations about it. Um, and then it really came down to, uh, I would rather be a father with epilepsy than not be a father. And how, what ways, what advice would you give to other couples who one or both of them have epilepsy and they want to start a family? What advice do you give them? We live in a bungalow, in a bungalow house. So it's, we don't have to worry about stairs with him. Um, with Charlie, also we've got like pack and play set up and just things in order that if he feels like something's not right, he can put her in a safe place. The one room that we hang out in all the time is completely baby proof. So if anything were to happen, we know that this room is completely safe for her. I mean, in the end, if a family is what you want, you can make changes and you can, you know, lean on family. Family's there for a reason, right? They're there to support you. They want to be there. Have you done genetic testing? I know you mentioned seeing a genetic counselor, but do you know um, a genetic cause or a, uh, a brain formation issue that is the causing your epilepsy? So we did uh, genetic testing. It was about uh, it was two years ago. I guess, two years ago. Yeah, something like that. And <clears throat> we went through the family tree and did some blood work, um, a little bit of everything. Um, and unfortunately, it just it, it didn't, come up with any answers that we were looking for, unfortunately, um, which kind of left me with more questions. Um, because that was that was one of the things that I was really hoping for. Um, it, it's almost, it sounds strange to say it, but it's almost like you wish someone either uh, within your family or a close friend uh, also suffers uh, with seizures, um, just so they can emphasize with what you're going through. Um, and unfortunately, yeah, with the genetic testing, it was just, we came out empty-handed, um, but it's uh, we're staying optimistic that hopefully we'll we'll find some answers soon. Absolutely, I you know I always recommend um, going back and and doing genetic testing every few Absolutely. years because my goodness that science is just moving forward in leaps and bounds and it's so exciting to see. Yeah. I know you mentioned that when you were younger, you weren't as knowledgeable about your epilepsy, but you have gotten significantly more involved in the epilepsy community uh, in the last few years. Talk to us about what motivated you to become an advocate. The the story can actually be connected uh, to my mom. Uh, We all recently uh, relocated to our current area uh, in Ontario and my mom started up a conversation with me and asked, if, do you know if there's any epilepsy support groups uh, at all within our region? And I wasn't aware at that point. So it was a quick Google search uh, just to find out that uh, the last epilepsy support group or really anything uh, was about, I believe it was two years prior. Um, and I mean, we're an area of 200,000 people. So it's, kind of mind-boggling that there wouldn't ever be just even even a seminar um, bi-monthly uh, or quarterly um, just to kind of gather people together and, and talk about living with epilepsy and what has changed for them. Uh, so when we noticed that there was a very, very dire need for it uh, and lack of it, we just decided to start social media platforms and it really just started as a as a blog uh, and me talking about my story, living with it, uh, and and 
telling her story about being a spouse with someone with, with uncontrolled seizures. Uh, and then fortunately that just kind of snowballed and we had dozens of families reach out and uh, tell their story. And it was, it was amazing. It was something that we didn't really expect. We didn't know who was going to um, kind of connect with us. Um, but we just figured if, even if we connected with one family and um, made them realize that they weren't alone in this, that would have been perfect. Um, so every other additional family or, or patient was, that was just gravy for us. I imagine, um, you know, you had talked about how much it can help to, to that there was no one in your family who had epilepsy that could understand it. So I can only imagine how important having that community around you is. Brittany, I wonder, as the spouse, so much of the attention is placed on Alec and his disease, but this absolutely affects your everyday life as well. And I wonder how having that community of understanding families benefited you as well. It's been pretty amazing. Like I've had so many people come out and talk to me about their situations with um, epilepsy, whether it's loved ones themselves or um, just friends. And just having even that communication, once people are aware of what we're a part of, people kind of come out of the woodworks and start talking a little bit more that they probably would have never talked or expressed about before. So it's been actually really nice in that aspect because you're right, people don't usually think about everybody else involved. They always think about the person suffering, but it is very much the whole family that um, is affected by it. And um, so it's actually been, it's been really amazing and much more support than I ever thought that we would have gotten. So Alec, Brittany, tell me about how you found Epilepsy Canada and, and what it was about their organization that inspired you to want to work with them. So the, uh, with the kind of overflowing support of, um, within our social media and from the community, uh, we just tried to figure out a way that we could do a little bit more um, in any which way. And we eventually reached out and got in touch with uh, Gary Collins from Epilepsy Canada. And over half a dozen conversations, we were trying to figure out a way to, um, to really bring something to this region uh, where it's very much needed. Uh, and there were talks about uh, walkathons and just any, any real event that we could do. Uh, and it was later determined uh, that we were going to be hosting uh, a golf day, um, something that would just be family friendly and um, no competition really. It's just something that would be fun for anybody of any skill level. And uh, it went over uh, significantly better than we had ever kind of envisioned. Um, we didn't really have, um, I, I think our original goal uh, was if, if we could raise $10, maybe $10,000 for <laughs> epilepsy research, that would be fantastic. Uh, and we actually nearly hit $18,000 um, wow. to raise uh, yeah. for epilepsy research. And I guess with, with my situation with having uncontrolled seizures, epilepsy research to me just seemed almost like a no brainer. And that's, it's not a pun intended. It was just one of those things where if someone else can, can go through life, not, or, or at least finding a a medication that works for them and, and helps control their seizures. Um, that's that's all we want. That's that's really the, the main goal. Yeah. So yeah, research is so important to us. 
I mean, that's how Alec hopefully we'll be able to control the seizures one day and we stay optimistic that that's going to happen and so for us raising money towards research was number one yeah yeah you guys thank you so much you are an inspiration and i don't mean that in in some cliche way i am genuinely motivated by the two of you and what you've done for your community, I think is, is pretty remarkable. So thank you again for talking with us today. I so appreciate you sharing your time. Um, give that little girl some extra cuddles and snuggles. And um, I hope to be able to see you guys in person someday. Oh, thank you so much for thank having you. us. <laughs> Thank you, Alec and Brittany, for sharing your experiences with us and for your efforts to raise awareness and funds for epilepsy research. Cure Epilepsy and Epilepsy Canada have entered into a strategic working relationship that formally commenced in January. This partnership will further both organizations' ability to advance epilepsy research and find a cure. We hope that you will support our mission to end epilepsy by visiting cureepilepsy.org forward slash donate. Your support and generosity are greatly appreciated. Thank you. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of CURE. The information contained herein is provided for general information only and does not offer medical advice or recommendations. Individuals should not rely on this information as a substitute for consultations with qualified healthcare professionals who are familiar with individual medical conditions and needs. CURE strongly recommends that care and treatment decisions related to epilepsy and any other medical condition be made in consultation with a patient's physician or other qualified healthcare professionals who are familiar with the individual's specific health situation.